1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Does part of you wish that maybe you'd be able to enter the NFL with a lower profile?
0: No. No. No, I I wanted to be the
2: number one pick for a long time. You know, if you go in with the mindset that the pressure is going to be too much for you, I think you're in the the wrong line of work.
1: That was Joe Burrow not long before the draft. He ended up being the number one overall pick, and there are high expectations for what the 2019 Heisman winner, 15-0, an incredible, incredible boost in his performance last season as LSU ran roughshod over the rest of college football, Chris. And we play that because anytime you see that, that giant image of Roger Goodell's evil twin brother, that means it's another number higher on the list as we work our way to number one on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown, number 26, Joe Burrow.
2: Number 26, Joe Burrow. Mike, you heard it. I mean, again, I know he hasn't played it down in the NFL. Okay. I'm still real confident that he's going to be successful in year one and he's ready to go. You know, as I told you during the draft process, Mike, and I know this stuff, you know, hit home with you, you know, it was one of the cleanest films I ever saw out of a quarterback coming out in the draft since I've been involved in evaluating players and draft talk and all of that. There's really not a weakness to his game. I mean, he looks like to me his ceiling could be Peyton Manning. He's that type of guy as far as being able to process information his accuracy, his ability to look at one side of the field and flip to the other and, you know, read and react in a proper manner. And then, you know, the ability to run as you're seeing in these clips and get outside the pocket and run or throw on the run or whatever it may be are off the charts good. And for the team that won the national championship last year, his pass protection stunk. And He was a master Jedi in the pocket, Mike. I mean, he really was. He's as good as I've ever seen a college quarterback in the pocket come out in my lifetime. That's how awesome he is. So, yeah, I know I haven't seen him play, but I'm expecting big things from Joe Burrow.
1: One of the things he told me when I asked him about the increase in his performance, dramatic production increase from 2018 to 2019, that when he was off-platform, he was more conscious about getting his feet under him. And you saw it in some of those clips the, the last one in particular, he rolls to the left and he doesn't throw on the run. He stops, resets quickly, right. quickly, lightning strike, resets and then throws the ball. That's the kind of thing that helped improve his his overall accuracy and his performance and got him to number one in the pecking order when it was time to draft players, a guy we wouldn't have had as a candidate to be the number one overall pick a year ago. So here he is at number 26. I just wonder where he's going to be next year. Yeah. We saw sure. Kyler Murray. I'm, Kyler Murray has got we haven't had him we haven't had him unveiled yet this year. I have a feeling he's going to be higher on the list than lower. Uh where will, will Joe Burrow be next year?
2: Well, you know, I think he's a guy that really ultimately with his physical, you know, skill set and then just the mental makeup of what I hear about the guy and of course what he shows on film, but what you hear from coaches or anybody that's had to deal with Joe Burrow to this point let alone we've seen his ability to lead people and the charisma he has that way with teammates, the media, whatever it may be, it's all off the charts. And, you know, when you draft a guy in the top 10 of the NFL draft at the quarterback position, especially number one, you're taking that guy. Yes. Hoping he's going to be a top five quarterback in football, but certainly no less than a top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think Joe Burrow A lot like a Patrick Mahomes a few years ago, Mike. You know the year the year the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know I had to do a quarterback list that year. I made Patrick Mahomes in the top thirty people. You're going, you're crazy. He's not top thirty. He hasn't played in the NFL yet. Yeah, no, I was crazy. I should have moved him up twenty seven more spots and put him in the top five. So again, I've been around it enough to know that the guy's got talent. He's incredible accuracy. He can make every throw. If there's a weakness to his game, maybe he can't launch 65 yarders off his back leg like a Rodgers or Mahomes. It's not like the most gifted arm that way. But Mike has all the potential and smarts and skills to be a, a top five quarterback in the league. I don't think next year, but certainly can be dancing around that top 10 uh, area by, by the time we do this list again next June.
1: And that leads to a fill-in-the-blank question, the first one. If this was a ranking of the next five years instead of just 2020, Joe Burrow makes the top blank. What do you think? If, it's, if we're projecting out five years, is he going to be in that handful of untouchable quarterbacks or, or potentially untouchable like Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson?
2: If you made me bet, I would say yes. Yeah. Now, where he is in that, I mean, again, you know, Mahomes and Watson and Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, they're not going anywhere here in the next next five years either. And, you know, hey, I expect Rodgers to fall off a little bit, certainly, but Carson Wentz is in this discussion. Dak Prescott's up there, you know, for guys that got a lot of years left in front of them. So I think he's in that handful of guys where I would look at to go, oh, if we were going to project rankings over the next five years I would think Joe Burrow is you know somewhere I I probably would have put him somewhere in that top eight somewhere that right there that that's where I kind of look at it
1: the conversation that we had a few weeks back when the Bengals came out and insisted there was nothing that they would have taken to give up the number one pick in the draft. They would have rejected any and all offers from anyone, and who knows what the Dolphins eventually offered to make the jump from number five to number one to get Joe Burrow. I had a conversation with somebody. It really put things in the proper perspective for me on this question of whether or not a guy can be regarded as untouchable before he ever plays in the NFL. Any of the guys that we put on the list as untouchable now, Patrick Mahomes, when was he picked? He was he was 11th, 10th or he was 11th or 10th overall 10th, I think. Ten. Um, yeah, ten. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. When was Aaron Donald picked? He was out of the top 10. When was Russell Wilson picked? He was the 75th selection in the draft. When was Lamar Jackson picked? He was picked number 32. The point is we don't know who's going to become great. It's, it's, it's far more likely. It's not going to be the first overall pick in the draft who becomes great just because of the sheer volume of selections that come after Number one. So the idea that a guy is untouchable before he's ever done anything in the NFL is ludicrous, Chris, ludicrous, Chris. It, it's <laughs> it's, it, it's and, and it's not to say he's not going to be great and he's not going to be become untouchable, but uh, we wouldn't have thought Lamar Jackson would be the one untouchable quarterback out of the group of 2018 quarterbacks taken in round one. He was the last guy in the round. So that to, just to bring that back around, for yeah, now, sure. for now uh, yeah, there is a number of draft picks that should have caused the Bengals to say, yes, we'll do it, and we'll take our chances with other players who may become great players. You could get two or three great players in exchange for one guy who has no guarantee he's ever going to be great. So, um, and, and I hope he becomes a top-five quarterback. I'm just saying that for now, nobody knows. And when we look back at the history of the guys who were taken first overall – there are plenty more busts than there are Hall of Famers.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, no doubt about that. But the reason we were having that discussion is because this guy was going to the draft with more arrows and stock and everything pointing in the right direction than just about anybody we could ever remember. So it was the potential of Joe Burrow that made that trade, you know, so expensive. If you wanted to do business with the Cincinnati Bengals, because I think anybody who evaluated Joe Burrow this year, you know, especially in NFL circles, looked at it and went, whoa, like this guy got a chance to be an all time great or whatever it may be. He's got all those type of tools, let alone he's the guy you want off the field, too. So I think that's what it was really more about. But you're right. As far as on the field, now it's going to be time for him to prove it. So we'll see where it goes.
1: If Joe Burrow wins the Bengals their first Super Bowl, it will be because what? That's the next fill-in-the-blank topic.
2: Because they put support around him, you know, just like we see with a lot of great quarterbacks. What happens with a lot of great quarterbacks? Oh, Patrick Mahomes came into the league. He came into the league and was the quarterback of a team that was the number two seed in the AFC playoffs just the year before. And, of course, there was tons of talent around him. You know, the Texans drafted Deshaun Watson high. What did they do? They make sure they got talent around him. Part of part of first off drafting a quarterback. Number one is if you want the fan base people, everybody to make, make it, you know, make sure they buy into the look of, okay, this guy's our number one pick. Then you got to make that happen with the right players around him. And I thought that's where the right approach is by Cincinnati so far. Hey, we know they got AJ green coming back and Tyler Boyd's there. But getting T. Higgins at the start of the second round, you know, can John Ross help out a little bit this year? But at least they're taking those strides, you know, you know, opposite of what I would say where the Bears messed up with Mitchell Trubisky. They didn't give him that support system early on and got the fan base to go. "Ooh, I don't know about this guy. So that's part of this uh, making this first pick work out as well. And I think that's the big thing. It would be because of the support system around him.
1: Yeah, not just the players, but you got to have a coach who is committed to the player, who has a system that will work for the player. When you have a great player, you design a system that is suited to the player's strengths and that minimizes his weaknesses. You don't try to jam the square peg into the round hole, which I think is part of the problem in Chicago right now with Trubisky. He may not fit that offense, and Matt Nagy not willing to change the offense to suit Trubisky, he'd rather go out and get somebody who fits the offense like a Nick Foles, and we'll see how that plays out. That doesn't seem to be the issue in Cincinnati, and I agree with you. It's not going to be Burrow himself who wins the Super Bowl. It's going to be because the Bengals have built, wait for it, a Super Bowl-caliber team. One guy does not make a Super Bowl-caliber team, even if, Chris, he's a winner.
2: Yeah, right, Right. even if he's a winner. Well, you know, too, you know, yeah, again— Let's think about Peyton Manning, as great as Peyton Manning is, right? I mean, he's no doubt, I think, in just about any person that's ever watched football's top five greatest quarterbacks to ever list. Live. what did they do? Oh, whoa, we had Marvin Harrison. Whoa, we had Edger James. Whoa, we had Dallas Clark. Whoa, you know, he had um, uh, Reggie Wayne. So you just sit there and from that standpoint and go, okay, what did they do? They supported what they thought was their best player with other really good players and said, okay, you, we picked you number one. We've given you some some support now. We think it's realistic for you to go out there and win us Super Bowls. And I think that's what Cincinnati will try to do with Joe Burrow.
1: And ultimately, they don't win the Super Bowl in 2006 unless Bob Sanders is able to come back and play in the playoff game against the Chiefs. Otherwise... Larry Johnson would have had 250 yards rushing and Peyton Manning (laughs) never would have made it onto the field, right? I mean, a lot of people thought they were going to get out of the wild card round that year because they didn't have a defense that was going to be able to slow down a potent running game. And then Bob Sanders comes back and, and he helps deliver in that regard, allowing Peyton Manning and company to do their thing. If Joe Burrow busts, it will be because what, Chris?
2: Oh, yeah, this is a good one. I just saw this here on our sheet. And I would say if Joe Burrow busts, it would be because he's not what we thought off the field, okay? And because I don't really have any doubts about, hey, it's a good arm. He's extremely accurate. He's got great feel. He's an unbelievable athlete. He can throw with people around him in the chaos of the pocket and all of that. If it if he becomes a bust, it's because He's not the, the Peyton Manning off the field, which I mean by being that, you know, psycho student who's leading the organization and the players and the coaches. And we want more. And what do I do if the defense plays this? And what's our answer on offense and all of that? So I think that's what it would be. If Burrow busts, it will be because he's not that brain or that professional off the field that maybe we thought or we think he is right now.
1: See, I'm going to focus on the field because I think if he busts, it's going to be simply because the ceiling that resides over every great college football player's head, we don't know where that ceiling is. It's either at the Hall of Fame or it's somewhere lower. If he doesn't physically have the ability to get it done at this level where everyone is larger and stronger and faster, where the windows are far narrower on threading the needle. Can you thread that needle? Can you get rid of the football before you get crushed by a guy who is ten times better than not? Maybe not ten times because he played in the SEC, but you get my point. Yeah, the, we got the you. The speed, the speed increases. The 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 physical violence increases. It hurts more. And and you know we showed the. Daniel Jones' fumbling issues a few weeks ago and how like sometimes you just don't understand how your body fits in relation to the others because they're moving fast and you misjudge. I think that's going to be part of it too. It's one thing to get flushed out of the pocket when you have the ability to outrun the guys at the college level. Can you outrun those guys? Can you outmaneuver those guys at the next level? Can you thread that needle? One of the big concerns about Deshaun Watson three years ago because he had like 30 interceptions in his final two years at Clemson, that he was going to have a lot of interceptions. Well, what happened was he got more accurate as the window got smaller. The window's going to get smaller. Will Joe Burrow become more accurate, or will he have some issues there? Now, look, his numbers last year were, were mind-boggling. Yeah, But that would be the one thing. That ceiling is residing lower over Joe Burrow than anyone realizes, and that's the one thing I think that would make him a bust.
2: Yeah, well, hey, listen, that, that's very real. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, like we said, yeah, it's not an arm that's going to make you go, oh, my gosh, did you see that laser he threw? No, he's he's got a strong arm. It's not going to be a top five in, arm in the NFL at any point. But the accuracy, the timing, the anticipation, the feel for the position, I would be shocked if that were the case, Mike. What really from from what you said, and I'm not trying to push back, but really for one big point. The fact that he was in the SEC and he got to play against and with so many NFL football players, I I mean, I would just would be shocked if he physically couldn't do it. We'll see. It certainly has happened before. We know that. But uh man, he just it was so fun to watch him on film last year.
1: I think it's more likely, I mean, if the two options are he's not a, a brainiac away from the field and he's not committed like a Peyton Manning and he's not going to live it and work it, or he's going to encounter physical limitations. I think it's more likely he's going to encounter the physical limitations because I think the stuff he can control, he will control, and he will be everything that they need away from the field. The question is physically, can he do it? If, if there's going to be an area where it doesn't work, that that's the sure. area. And maybe maybe it's neither, and maybe he's going to end up being a superstar. We'll find out. All right, last one. Joe Burrow will finish where in the offensive rookie of the year voting? You must, you must pick a spot right now, even though we yeah. played, a, a, even though he's never held an NFL football at an NFL facility, we must do this.
2: Well, you know, I, of course, look at the, there, there's going to be some competition between the receivers, you know, some of the running backs, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, there in Kansas City, I would have a hard time thinking he's not going to put up huge numbers. You know, because of everybody being worried about Tyree Kill and Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and company, but I'm Joe Burrow's still the leader in the clubhouse for me. If you made me pick who's going to be the rookie of the year, I'm taking Joe Burrow. You know, one, hey, they got a coaching staff that knows how to utilize his type of skill set, and I do think they've surrounded him with enough talent and the offensive line. Hey, last year's first round pick, hopefully he can come help. They got a running game, so I look at all of those type of things to go. I think Joe Burrow on paper at this point, at least has enough talent around him to where I think he's going to be able to put up some numbers and, and win this award.
1: Put that graphic back up. Cause I'll tell take? you what, I, I think this steal on there is JK Dobbins at plus 1600. Uh, that's a good Here's one. Why. Playing for a high profile team that we're going to see a lot. He's going to have opportunities to to generate stats and highlights. Now, look, Mark Ingram is going to have plenty of, of touches and yards, but I think Dobbins is going to be electric this year. And at plus 1,600, I'm willing to take that chance. Usually it's a guy who touches the ball more often, who has more opportunities right. to do things with the football in his hands. And that's why a running back usually has the edge. Although last year it was Kyler Murray who won the award. All right, we're going to continue the countdown. When we return, moving from 26 to hmm, 25, the next man up on the Chris Sims Top you're 40 Quarterback Countdown. You're 55, though.
2: You're 30 spots older than that, old man.
1: You, your math I almost, your math almost failed you. Your math almost failed you there. All right, we're going to take a break. More PFT Live right after this.
0: It's like an
2: Eminem song. It was like, who my name is, who my name is. You don't know that song, do you? Chicka, chicka, slim, Shady. Oh, what? 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 I just had my brain just move up. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I cannot Man. believe you just came up with that. Oh, I am so impressed. I mean, I I'd be a... more impressed if you'd have known Steve Bono. I need a superlative for that right there. He's not as old as you think Award. <laughs> that <was> the Michael- <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: All right, get to it. <laughs> One of the best articles that I read in the last, you know, probably year was last night reported on Pro Football Talk. You don't hear any Florio writing any articles about it. Hey, Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading
1: crap like that. Uh, <laughs> F all y'all! <laughs> Oh yeah! Happy birthday, indeed. Hello, Aaron Rodgers, Arthur Blank, Richard Sherman, and everyone else. And hello, Chris Sims. That was uh, that was funny. Uh, yes, happy it is birthday, my birthday, big man. Thank you. How you feeling Thank today you. at fifty five? How do you um,
2: feel? I,
1: as as I said earlier, here here's the welcome to fifty five moment. My left shoulder hurts, and I have no idea why. And it just started hurting, <laughs> and I have no idea why. I did nothing to injure my shoulder. That is one of the realities, Chris. And it's coming for you, too. Hey, you got one coming. You better be nice today because at some day in late August, I can't remember what day it is, but I will I will refresh my recollection between now and then. You've got 40 coming for you. And 40 is going to hurt you. A lot more than 55 hurts me.
2: I can't believe it. You're right. I mean, at least, you know, you're used to being in the 50s. I, I'm leaving the 30s and about to go to the old man 40s. I can't believe it, man. I can still remember, like, when my parents turn 40 and sitting there going, man, my parents are getting old. I can't believe that they're 40 years old. So here I am, but, uh, I got a few more years left before I'm the old Derek Brooks 55 yet. I don't have to worry about that yet.
1: Yeah. Well, Hey, uh, and, and then I'll be 70. So I got that going for me. I hope, wow. I hope to make it that long. Every, every, here's the thing. My, 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 Look, because, look, I, I I don't know if it was the Tuesdays with Maury book that did it for me 20 years ago or so or whatever. You just accept the fact. This is it. This is how it works. The, the, there's no getting away from it, folks. And it's far better than the alternative. Making it to 55 is far better than the alternative. And we're all trying to do that and trying to make it as long as we can and trying to have an impact as long as we can. And, you know, that's one of the things I'm grateful for. I've stumbled into a, a business where. I, as long as I can type and as long as I can think and as long as I can communicate, I'm going to keep doing it, Chris. And it's Copy, not paste, so, copy, paste, so I, snarky comment. Def- I, I got it down. I definitely did not injure my shoulder doing any type of actual work. I know that. Um, and so, you're uh, such
2: an actual Gemini, Mike. You know, my daughter's a Gemini. My mom is a Gemini. And you fit the mold. I don't know if you pay attention to birth all signs right, or anything right. like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. Not that I'm like, Here we go. But, but you are, there's the two, they call it the two faces of Gemini and you could be the nicest guy I've ever been with. And then if the one wrong thing happens, like say I say somebody's name la- wrong last week on the show. <laughs> Holy cow! Well, you that wasn't snap why in a I got hurry. mad last week. That wasn't why I got mad last week. Oh my right god! You look like you're gonna. <laughs> wrong right view. church,
1: wrong pew. Right, right. Uh, but but well, I I, I am uh, I I am very. Will you agree? I am very slow to anger. I don't get mad very often at all. No, who, you who, do not. You've been around me long enough now that you know that. No, it, no, but, I do know but, that. Uh, but when it does happen, watch out. Take cover. <laughs> All right. Uh, before you make me mad today, let's move on to number 25 on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. Do we have the do we have the animation? Do we have the, the evil? He can't live without the animation. He needs to see 25. me. 25. Drew Locke, he was number 37 last year. He was your number two quarterback in the 2019 draft. One of the guys who who fits into this, this Jarrett Stidham type of a mold where right. if he'd come out earlier, he would have been drafted higher. But, but for whatever reason, the scouts and the evaluators will pull a guy down if his team is bad in that one extra year that he's in school and didn't have different coaching staff, a new offense, other exactly. factors for Drew Locke that caused him to have a a reduction in his performance at Missouri and it caused him to be available at number forty two in the twenty nineteen draft. And good for the Denver Broncos and John Elway as they've been groping in the dark to find a quarterback post Peyton Manning. I think they found him in number twenty five on your list, Drew Locke.
2: Yeah, no, I think they did find him. And it was it's a great draft pick. He's a first round talent. you know, you explained it perfectly, Mike. That was it. You know, hey, listen, part of the reason I love them coming out of the draft is when you went back and watched his junior film when he led college football and touchdown passes and had a phenomenal year. It was 40, 40 plus something touchdown passes that year. But, yeah, like you said, as usual, you know, the team fell apart and we blame Drew Locke. And, uh, you know, again – I fall into that trap at times too, don't get me wrong, but, but but Drew Locke, I don't know if there's like a guy really we've talked about that excites me as much as Drew Locke does. I mean, we saw what he did at the end of the season last year. First off, you know, he's got big time talent. The ball explodes out of his hand. You talk about a guy who can make throws off his back foot, off balance, sidearm, whatever it may be, reminds me of Matthew Stafford a little bit and and his ability to deliver the football. Then, hey, in the pocket, good, good athlete. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, he's going to run for 20 and 30 yard runs, things like that. No, but he's going to be able to at least threaten defenses with his ability to go get six, 10 yards and fits, you know, a, a, an offense where you can move him too on the bootlegs, play actions, all that has an aggressive mindset is a really good deep ball thrower, Mike. So I'm, I think Drew Locke has a ton of potential. He's got big time talent. And like we talked about with Joe Burrow, they've surrounded him with some talent now to accentuate what his abilities are, and hopefully that offense can flourish under his uh, leadership.
1: And if you're reluctant to take Chris's word for it, I wouldn't blame you if you are. We've got video evidence to back it up in the form of some of the things that Drew Locke did in that limit. There it is. There's the evil twin brother of Roger Goodell. The top 40 countdown, Drew Locke. Chris, let's look at some of the things that Locke was able to do when he finally got on the field. He had that wrist injury that kept him out for most of the season, but he did get a chance to play and he played well.
2: Yeah, well, and you can see right here, when he you know, he drops back, hey, the offensive coordinator can call different plays with Drew Locke in the game because he's got a laser for a right arm. So that's going to allow offensive coordinators, empower them to call more aggressive pass plays. And this is a guy that ain't looking to be Charlie Checkdown. You know, he's not stupid aggressive, but he's looking to strike down the field.
1: And these highlights are from that Houston Texans game where the Broncos went in there and just just destroyed them. It was stunning what the Broncos did that day. This was in the snow in Kansas City. Didn't quite work out for the Broncos that day. How about that touch, though, to Noah Fant?
2: Yeah, that that this guy is, you know, thrower, passer, whatever you want to call it. He has it all. He's got every club in the bag. He's got a nice pitching wedge. And when he wants to crush it down the middle for 350, he's got a great driver, too. And then you could see here again, you know, unbelievable touch pocket people coming into his face. He doesn't care. Stands on his back foot, throws a perfect fade down the right sideline to Sutton for a touchdown.
1: And what a catch by Cortland Sutton. I mean, another reason to be excited about this Broncos offense. that, That guy is on the verge of breaking out and becoming an NFL star. But I love this catch.
2: Yeah, it, it, he is. He's going to be a star, and you're right. Now they got other people around the Mike. But, you know, this is, this is what franchise big-time quarterbacks do, too. This is where you feel the difference of that type of player. His ability to stick the ball into tight windows, especially in the red zone where it's a shorter field. I mean, come on. That was an insane throw. Sidearm, no stepping earlier. into it. We, right.
1: We, we talked earlier about how the windows shrink. There was no window there. He created None. a window. Exactly right.
2: He put it in a spot where, hey, guy, you got to extend your arms and hopefully it'll stick to your hands. There he is moving in the pocket. These are the things he really, again, there's not a weakness to Drew Locke other than, hey, he's young. He doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, he did some, you know, didn't take care of the ball all the way his last year in Missouri because the team was bad. So he forced some things to happen. But now you see the athletic ability, Mike, and his ability to run.
1: Well, the one thing we always hear about with young quarterbacks, too, when there's enough game film for defensive coordinators to really probe at what it is that rattles him, what gets him off the mark, what does he try to do first, what does he do well, what can we take away? The Bill Belichick approach. You need some game film at the NFL level to fully understand. Where those potential weaknesses are, and I think that's going to be part of the challenge. What happened last year? The problem is this year you've got a new offensive coordinator and Pat Shermer, so it's going to be kind of a fresh start in some respects. And and now, uh, you know, we see how long it takes for defenses to maybe catch up, or maybe they never do. Maybe Drew Locke finds a way to constantly stay one step ahead of them, which the great quarterbacks tend to do, Chris.
2: Yeah, no no doubt. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator. You know, I do. I think that's going to be an offense. You saw it in Minnesota, Mike, when Case Keenum and them went to the NFC Championship game. You know, and the offense really last year with Daniel Jones at the helm, a guy that's athletic, pushed the ball down the field like Drew, Drew Locke. Hey, we saw some big numbers, some big plays. we not necessarily the most talented wide receiving core there in New York either. This is, this is an offense that's got talent got awesome running backs, got Mike Munchak as an offensive line coach. So when I look at all those, uh, you know, aspects of the Denver Broncos offense, and then you say, whoa, Drew Locke's going to be the guy that's going to lead the charge. You know, this is, a, this is an offense that has a, a chance to be a very exciting. Shermer's going to run the ball. He's great at play action pass design. I think that fits in the wheelhouse of Drew Locke. And Drew Locke also a guy that, hey, you want to get in the shotgun and throw it 40 times a game? He did that in college. He's comfortable getting the ball out of his hands and making plays that way, too.
1: Are we reading too much into what basically was five games? Or is that enough to to say, hey, he passes the eyeball test. He's a guy who can get it done at this level.
2: Yeah, I I think that's enough for me. You know, again, I think the things I look at, Mike, again, was one, like you said, just the quality of the, the, the presence. First off, he looks good on the field. The ball pops out of his hands where you went, oh, man, that looks a little different than anybody that's been playing quarterback in Denver so far this year. Uh, And then what I also saw, too, was the offense, Mike, in Denver. This is what gives me confidence in Drew Locke because I think Denver had confidence. The offense opened up when he became the quarterback in a lot of ways. And I think that's because of his ability. And then, one, they said, whoa, this rookie, he's pretty smart. We can put more on his plate as far as mentally, schematically putting in the offense and stuff like that. So, to me between what I saw in the field, the decisions, he took care of the football for the most part, made some game changing type plays. And then the fact that the offense didn't go into a shell, like, oh gosh, we have to protect our rookie quarterback. He's not very good. So let's find, you know, 25 million ways to throw the ball short to fool everybody to look like, hey, look, his stats are pretty good. No, in fact, it went the other way. The offense opened up more, it was more aggressive. And I think that speaks volumes to me, too, about what the guy is as a player.
1: Fifty-four years ago today, I turned one. Also, the NFL and the AFL announced their merger, which for some reason took four years to actually happen. We're going to have a draft coming up of the best decisions the NFL has ever made, not including that one, when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Around any corner...
1: Watching the Green Bay Packers win the first championship game with the Kansas City Chiefs, and and then uh, Oakland Raiders lost to Green Bay again. Uh, the uh, Super Bowls, uh, we had to win, man, and uh, and we did. We just uh, outplayed it. Joe Namath from Lunch Talk Live on Friday. Super Bowl III, one of the great upsets of all time. The decision had already been made to merge the two leagues, but the AFL was not regarded as a serious competitor to the NFL until that moment, and it was Super Bowl III, won by the Jets, Super Bowl IV, won by the Chiefs over the heavily favored Vikings, and then the merger happened after that. It was announced, though. This is weird. It took four years for the merger to actually become effective. It was announced June 8, 1966 the best decision arguably the NFL has ever made. So we're doing a draft today of the best decisions the NFL has ever made without that one. This is the literal AFL memorial draft. We usually use that term when, you know, it really doesn't apply because the memorial isn't really in memoriam of anyone, but this is in memoriam of the AFL. Uh, so Chris, you've got a trivia question for me. Lay it on me.
2: Here we go. You're ready. There is a notable former Former player who shares your birthday. The Dolphins drafted him, but he went on to make five straight Pro Bowls with a different team. Hint, you still say his name often today. A lot. I I mean, yeah. You probably said it about 30, 40 times last week. Over the last month, it's probably been up 50 times.
1: The Dolphins drafted him. He went on to make five straight Pro Bowls with a different team. He's probably got some name that is like it. just actually is common in. I don't know. I'm stumped on this one. I'm I'm drawing a complete blank. Troy. The, the thing about. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a tough That's one. Good. It was That's a good. tough one. I know. I think he turns. I think he turns fifty today, not forty-nine. It Fort- is his birthday. Oh. is Is he 49 or 50 i thought he was five years younger than me i need to check that i because i've i've uh, he and he and i have he's 49 okay so he's six years younger than me i think he changed his i think he changed his his birth date because i thought he was five years behind me maybe he's trying to stave off 50 hey troy it's coming for you buddy if that's what you're up to it's coming for you or maybe it's already here all right uh you get the first pick chris best decisions the nfl has ever made
2: Well, I mean, I almost feel like this is not fair even, like, I almost think we should almost exclude this. But, I mean, of course, i got to pick the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the best decision the NFL ever made. There's no doubt about that. The spectacle that that's become around the world, I mean, it's, it's a show that's second to none. I mean, the TV ratings tell you that. It's the number one rated or top rated TV show every year. If you look at the top 100 rated TV shows in the history of TV, You know, every Super Bowl's in the top 100. You know, so between that, the spectacle of the halftime show, the pregame show, everything about it, it's become unlike any sporting event I've ever seen, been around. I don't think there's anything that can compete with it right now. It truly captivates all of America on that first Sunday in February. And we have parties and do whatever else and and block out six to seven hours of our life to watch a football game so the Super Bowl to me is of course the greatest thing the NFL ever
1: did by the way according to Wikipedia which as we know is the best thing ever because anyone in the world can write anything they want on any subject so you know you're getting the best possible information according to Wikipedia Troy Vincent is 50 so we're gonna we're gonna need an investigation into whether he I is 49 it. or 50 I am not I, I, I mean, I'll just text him and ask him hey happy birthday well, are you 49 or are you I 50? Dan Troy, that.
2: you're old today too. You're old like Mike Florio too. Welcome to 50 mil then.
1: I, I, I am gonna go with this. Uh I am gonna go with the decision from 10 years ago by the National Football League to get rid of sudden death overtime. I, I hated it. I, I still don't like what's in its place. I think that the team that that kicks off to start overtime should always have a chance to match whatever the score is, touchdown or field goal. But getting rid of that ability, especially in this day and age, where the 50-yard field goal is not the heroic achievement that it used to be, and every team's got a guy who can hit from 55 almost reliably, um, getting rid of that, that ability to receive the kickoff, get a couple of first downs. I mean, we saw it play out in the 2009 NFC Championship game between the Saints and the Vikings in overtime. How easy it is to just dink and dunk your way into position to get that field goal, walk off, and you gain a berth in the Super Bowl. So I still think they need to go the rest of the way. I don't like the fact that – and we've seen it happen. We saw it in a Super Bowl. We saw it in an AFC Championship game in recent years. Super Bowl 51 and the 2018 AFC AFC Championship game – win the toss, go down the field, score the touchdown, and the other team's offense is just standing there, never getting an opportunity. So I'm praising the NFL for making the decision to get rid of sudden death overtime, but I'm still revisiting and encouraging the NFL to take it the rest of the way, Chris.
2: Yep, I know you love that rule. I know you want that. I get it. I, get it. I don't know if I'm all in it with you there, okay? I do like the adjustment of what they did as far as getting rid of the sudden death overtime. And all that, I understand that. Uh, and it certainly has added to to more exciting football. I, I'm i not so sure I feel the same way that you do about, oh, one team gets a touchdown, the other team deserves. I mean, hey, the, the other team's got, you know, good players on defense, too, being paid a lot of money. Um, all right, here we go. I think I'm going to have to go with free agency is the best decision in the NFL history. You know, when I look at that, I think that's where the league just went to another level or exploded to another level there when, when Reggie White began his free agency tour. Like, that was the first guy, the first notable big-time name. We were like, what? Reggie White's going around and going to visit teams? I mean, to me, that, that increased the sports popularity. One, it gives every team more of a fighting chance every year to rebuild their football team and be competitive and be relevant that season, which gives fan bases hope. And, of course, drives up money and everything else that way. And, hey, there's just the excitement of changing players and what it can bring to your team. Oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm a Browns fan. We traded for Odell Beckham Jr. Whoa, I'm excited for this year. or Whatever it may be, uh, I just think it's, it's expanded the, what, what do I want to say, the business side of the sport. And, of course, made it more fun for fans in general because you have a chance to accumulate a few superstars every offseason and make your team a whole lot better, and that's what we all want. We all want that chance of a team to have a chance to win come in, in that upcoming season.
1: There still, though, is a disconnect between having the ability to go out and sign free agents and actually parlaying that into a successful Super Bowl-type team, I mean, how many teams that have gone out and just spent, spent, spent in free agency? Other than, like, the 49ers in 1994, how many teams have gone out and bought a championship team? And you mentioned Reggie White, right? Reggie White was available because he wasn't eligible to be franchise-tagged because he was one of the players who was on the lawsuit that resulted in free agency. So one of the benefits to the individuals who put their names on the lawsuit was you can never be franchise-tagged. The franchise tag really does take a lot of the steam out of what it can be. But I will agree with you on this point. Free agency and everything that goes along with it, the salary cap, the unintended consequences of players getting cut for cap reasons, it has created a -a 12-month-a-year news cycle for the NFL. The NFL just doesn't disappear in the offseason, only to reappear for the draft and then disappear again when training until training camp comes around. So it it has, and I guess that should have been my first pick because my business in many respects uh, thrives on the fact that that free agency and everything that goes along with it has made some the NFL something that you have to follow all year long, not just in football season. All right, I'm going to go with taking the draft on the road, um, and I'm going to combine General. that with putting putting the draft in prime time and taking it on the road because it was about the same time. Because it's part of this whole thing, selling hope and pumping up this this thing in the off season that every fan of every team can point to and say, this is the thing that makes me feel good about my team's chances this year. This is that bright, new, shiny object that we're adding to the team. This is the guy I can get excited about. And, and for, for them to realize, and it all started because they couldn't get Radio City Music Hall on one given year. So they said, screw it, we'll take it on the road. And it's grown into this thing where the draft is bigger than it's ever been. It's the ultimate reality show about nothing. They don't have to, as we learned this year, you don't have to take it anywhere. But taking it on the road has made it so big. All right, we need to to take a break. We've talked too much about the best decisions the NFL has ever made, which apparently was not a good decision by us. We'll finish the draft right after this on PFT Live. All right, we got to get right to it with the third round of our draft, the best decisions the NFL has ever made. But before we get there, I have official resolution of the conundrum we were dealing with, Chris, the actual age of Troy Vincent, the NFL's executive VP of football operations, who was a first-round pick of the Dolphins and later a five-time Pro Bowler with the Eagles. He is 50 today, not 49. So pro football reference wrong, Wikipedia right for the first time ever, Wikipedia wins the stare down with pro football reference. So happy birthday, Troy Vincent, who turns 50 today. Chris, what's your third uh, round pick in the draft of the best decisions the NFL's ever made?
2: Well, I, I got to go with primetime football. I think that's where I'm going to go next. I mean, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. I mean, the, the, the fact that we have, you know, especially where it started off with Monday night football and now it's transitioned to Sunday night football being the, the biggest night of primetime football watching. Hey, it, it brought in, you know, a demographic, I think, of fans that we wouldn't have. And then, of course, uh, it's just one game. For all of us to sit there and watch and take notice of. It's the only show on. It's big time. And I think that's just brought the NFL to different levels uh, as far as notoriety in our country. And, of course, things we want to tune in and watch.
1: I'm going to see your primetime football. And I'm going to raise it with something that I think is just as significant as primetime football. And that is Thanksgiving football. Which has been part of the fabric of the National Football League Good ever since it first showed up, and those are the games that. What 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 what's the first thing you look at when the schedule comes out? For me, I look at the Thanksgiving games. Who's playing on Thanksgiving? The early game, the middle game, and the late game. That's the day where you have the captive audience. Are they going to give us great games? Or are they just going to give us anything? Because we'll watch anything on Thanksgiving. And in recent years, they've done a better job of giving us really interesting games, and they are very interesting this year as well. All right, that's our draft. We need to take a break, and we'll be back with more Pro Football Talk live right after this. Check out Football Morning in America at profootballtalk.com. Peter King's weekly column is up, and it takes a close look at some monumental days for the world and for the National Football League from Last week, we mentioned last week our good friend Alan in the UK who had lung surgery. His wife advises us that he is recovering nicely and will be home this week. So that is great news, courtesy of Alan. Way to wife, go, Alan. Susan, Chris. Yes, and uh, good to hear. And uh, and we really do appreciate our fans in the UK and in Ireland. Not to, not to say we don't appreciate the people who enjoy the show in the United States, but for whatever reason, and I think it's because... The football fans there just don't have access to the same quantity of of tv coverage and information chris they they don't hate us over there the way they hate us here
2: (laughs) no they don't it's it's awesome to have them part of our show though it really is they love to interact and hey more importantly happy birthday to you big guy Cake for
1: breakfast cake for lunch cake for dinner see you tomorrow